Well, before we pray, I just wanted to uh, pay tribute to someone that I worked with once, whose name was Robert. He was the vicar that I trained under. Uh, and he was, in his 20s, a dairy farmer in Wales. A wonderful man. He built, through extraordinary hard work, a head of 90 cattle on, on his dairy farm and uh, sold it at the point that he was called into ordination, um, tithed what he gave, what he sold and paid his way through theology college out of the proceeds and and then just kept giving and giving and giving through his time as a minister every time there was a building project regularly and when I knew him he reached the age of retirement and had carried on working and so he'd increased his tithe to the church from 10 percent to uh, one in seven uh, of the money that he had coming in He, he gave to the church ministry where he was um, and that was the influence that I came under as a curate, and I've always been so grateful to Robert for paving a way in generosity. My text today is uh, Luke 6, verse 38. simply says this, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And this talk is an introductory talk to a series that will happen uh, next term, looking at this uh, wonderful new book by Justin Welby. It's the, uh, the newcomer's book of the year, um, and it's called Dethroning Mammon, and its subtitle is more useful, uh, Making Money Serve Grace. Making Money Serve Grace has wonderful chapters like what we see we value, what we measure controls us, what we have we hold, what we receive we treat as ours, what we give we gain, and what we master bring us joy. So we're going to be looking at the whole area of money, what we do with it, uh, whether it controls us or we control it, how we can be liberated by it, thinking about debt and uh, stewardship and all sorts of other things. But I just wanted to introduce uh, this series today on the podcast and live to our Friday congregation so that you could get your heads into it a bit. And if you want to buy the book in the meantime, we've got 20 copies on the bookstore going for £10, um, or you can buy them from eden.co.uk if you want to buy them online. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the gift of faith. And sometimes faith in others can be inspirational to us, Uh, Sometimes it can be intimidating. And so I pray that as we talk about these issues over the coming months, that you might help us each make the step that's appropriate for us, that we might grow in our faith and grow in our understanding of our finances being yours and how we might give them back to you in different ways. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've uh, been on the church council, the PCC, recently, you'll, uh, you'll have noticed the vicar having his, uh, his knuckles wrapped on several occasions by two or three members of the PCC um, because we don't talk about giving enough and we don't make a show of uh, the offering on a Sunday. Some years ago, the church decided that uh, we wouldn't pass a plate around during the services to try and make it as newcomer-friendly as possible. Um, The PCC have asked that in the period between Easter and Pentecost, we have an experiment where we do pass the plates along. Um, uh, And we acknowledge that actually many of us, many of you, will give um, by standing order, which is by far the most efficient and useful way of doing it. So 
please feel free to let the paper pass by. But there are also many people who come in um, where they haven't worked out, how can you give to this church yet? And you, you may have been in the church for years and never started to regularly, systematically give to the life of the church here and uh, just not know how to do it. So we're going to try and change that culture. To, to go with that, we've explored the why, the what, the where, and the how of giving. The why, the what, the where, and the how of giving. Uh, why should I give? What should I give? Where does my money go? Uh, and, and how can I actually do it practically? Uh, and we've put together a little leaflet outlining some of the work that we believe God is calling us to do illustrating what funds we need to sustain and develop that work, uh, and inviting each of us to be on this great journey of faith. Over the five years that I've been here, we've seen the church family give very generously to building projects, and as a result, we've rejuvenated Turnham Green and opened St. Albans on Acton Green. Five years ago, we also made encouraging progress on on stewardship, the, the money that we give back to God here at church, Uh, And that grew quite extraordinary, and the regular givers grew from 85 to 110 members of the giving scheme. We have, over the last few years, however, relied uh, enormously on a legacy, um, a wonderful, wonderful legacy that was left to the church, and some other one-off grants and gifts um, that will run out over the coming few years ahead. Um, If congregational giving levels remain the same as they are now, our stewardship and fundraising committee tell us that by 2019, if we do not replace our legacy in one-off grants, our revenue will be over £100,000 less uh, than it is in 2016, which is an enormous transition to go through. And if you just sort of clock what ministries that effectively pays for in terms of human resources as well as outreach opportunities here... Um, that's, that's a big thing. And this impact starts in 2017, where we have an expected drop of £40,000 a year income. So the situation is, uh, is, is, is big, uh, but it's also imminent. And additionally, our Fabric and Development Committee tell us of maintenance bills at both our churches, um, including a new boiler and lighting needed here at Turnham Green that will cost £70,000 over the coming three years. So we, we face some significant challenges as a church family ahead. Um, we're not funded by the Central Church of England. Some people think that um, mistakenly. We actually fund the Diocese of London. We, we pay into the Diocese of London so that ministry can happen in poor areas. We, we pay the largest uh, parish share in the area so that other people can benefit from ministry. So we're not funded externally. Uh, we instead fund other people. That's, that's the background. Uh, why should we give? Well, in the scriptures, in the Bible, uh, we're told um, many things about giving. Jesus spoke a huge amount about money. I don't don't know if you know that. It's one of his most common themes in scripture. The Apostle Paul tells us that we receive according to the way we give. He, He said this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. In the book of Malachi, it says, bring the whole tithe, that's 10% of income, into the storehouse, that there may be food in in God's house. Test and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. And and here in the the passage that we've got here, it, um, it has this lovely, lovely thing from Jesus. He says, give, and it will be given to you. I don't know about you, but this has been my convincing testimony over my life. It's been one of the ways I've proved God's existence to myself again and again. As I 
have been generous. I've never been able to outpace or outgive God. It's been an extraordinary experience to trust him with things that I thought I couldn't afford to and then discover his blessing coming in. How, how does it carry on? Given it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. So imagining giving, you know, of your, of your crops, of your harvest, you know, here's my bit, God. And then the bit that he gives back to you is just crammed in. Every last bit of goodness he can give you, he gives back from your generosity. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So in other words, to the degree that you're generous, expect generosity to come back at you. There's some of the Bible reasons to give. And we, we as a church family, I as your, as your leader, as your vicar, believe it's important that you, whoever you are listening to this, should, should give regularly to the place that feeds you spiritually. If you're on the electoral roll, if you're a regular here, if you're a church member, uh, you should honour your church with consistent financial support. Now, Nicola and I do, um, and um, my full expectation is that, that everyone else here does as well. It's an important thing. Um, Membership entails responsibilities as well as privileges. It's, it's, it's up to us collectively to do this. We're family together. Uh, what should I give? What should I give then? What, that's the why, why I should give. What should I give? It's often been said that the, the last thing that gets converted is our pockets. <laughs> I think it's why Jesus talks about it a lot. Because it's one of the things that has quite a hold on us. And finances can really grip us with worry and fear about what happens in the future. I was recently uh, given some money, and I thought of seven different ways of spending it straight away. <laughs> and then the sort of, oh, should I just hold on to it, comes in. It's, it's, it's a funny thing, money, isn't it? The last thing to get converted is our pockets. And many of us warm up very, very gradually to trusting God with our finances. And if you're on a slow journey with this, that's okay. Just get on the journey. Just get on the journey. Sometimes as we think it through, it's helpful to do a comparison. Um, am I allocating more money to my own pleasures than I'm routinely and regularly giving to God? Um, if I was spending more money on alcohol in a year than I was giving to God, or, or a, a gym membership, or, or other things you could think of. You know, how much am I spending on, on a coffee? Whatever it might be for you, uh, how, just do a bit of a comparison. Which, which one's winning <laughs> in terms of seeing God's kingdom expand and grow uh, versus this particular one pleasure that I've got? And if you add up those and add up these, how, how does the ledger look overall? Are you happy with that? If you were looking back, is that, is that really what I wanted to decide on? Um, do, do you mean to do that or is it just happening because you don't examine what you're spending on? And I think often it's that. Making decisions about how we allocate the money God has enabled us to save and earn requires some deliberate thought and planning. The biggest of these is, in my experience, do I really trust that God will provide for all my needs if I wholeheartedly put my trust in him? If I step out, do I think God is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides? Or do I think it's all up to me? And the Christian walk and the walk that I'm charged with encouraging us all into is one where we increasingly see God as Jehovah Jireh. Not as our get out of jail free card, not as a, I won't take any responsibility for my life, 
but as fundamentally the place where provision comes from. So that when we say grace before our meals, as we hopefully we remember to do at least occasionally, we're remembering that it's his food that we're eating, not just the stuff that we bought in Sainsbury's. And we're remembering that all that he's given us to steward is, is from him. We didn't create the earth or create work or create the inheritance we've had. It's come from him and he's given it to us. In the Old Testament, they had a stepping stone towards fully uh, being obedient. Um, and they, they had a way of setting a realistic, manageable, but still faith-building rate of stewardship. God, God asked his people to set aside 10% of their income. 10%, just one in 10. The first fruits of their income. And allocate that back to God. It was important that it was called the first fruit, not the last fruit. Not the leftover bit. The, the thing that they could look at and go, I'm proud of this. I'd like to give this to you. Do you remember the story of Cain and Abel? The one begrudgingly gives something that looked quite good, but it was begrudging. And the other wholeheartedly gave his first fruit. And God was pleased with his first fruit offering, 10% of first fruit of our money. And that can be a good starting point for us to think, you know, how, how far past or under 10% am I in, in my giving um, of the money that I have to spend? How, how far up and down on 10%? Have I got to? Hopefully there'll be some in the church who are well over 10%. But some of us may be more like on, on half a percent or 1% or 2%. And it's an interesting challenge, isn't it? Even the, the Muslims have to give 2.5%. Um, from, from grace and generosity, where, where would God like us to get to? Um, so that, that, that's a what I should give, uh, a why I should give. Where, where does money go to when it's given into the life of the church? And the answer is into all sorts of wonderful places. Some of it goes to support churches throughout London that couldn't afford to have clergy and ministry. Some of it's going to pay for the likes of Tim and Lydia to be training as ministers and securing the future of the church. And we actually have three more people going for ordination in the life of the church as well. And this money that we give to the diocese pays for them to train and impact and influence the church all over the place. Our mission statement is very simple, isn't it? To join God transforming Chiswick, London, and the wider world. And it helps with that. Some of it goes to the wider world directly. So funding Nabil and Emily uh, and other overseas projects where we're linked into uh, and giving away to. And every time we have a building project, we have a commitment that we will raise 10% of what we've spent and, and give it away overseas. And Emily, um, if you gave in a run-up to Christmas, has just sent me through a message saying she's bought that car that we took up all those offerings uh, to buy. Do you know we were trying to raise £5,000 for her? Do you know how much we raised in the end? About £7,500. And she's got this lovely 4x4 vehicle, which is just perfect for getting her around, serving those children uh, in Uganda and making such a difference out there. And she's so grateful. She sent a lovely message of appreciation and thanks. And we want to keep our commitment to the worldwide church as, as high as possible. Um, our, our biggest spending here locally is on the buildings and on the extraordinary staff team that we have. Um, but you'll have worked out from the numbers I gave at the beginning that we won't be able to sustain staff team or buildings without a significant revision in the amount of income that, that comes in. 
over the coming few years. Um, that's probably a stress for some of us on staff team. It's, it's a stress for me. Um, what we do know, though, is that in the area and in the church, there is loads of money. Um, some of us have a lot of it that we can look after. Some of it must have a, a small amount. Some of us have in between. There's plenty of money in the area. Um, and 10% of all our incomes put together would pay for extraordinary <laughs> developments and extraordinary uh, growth in, in mission and impact into the area. Um, so things like the meeting place, the cafe, uh, the children's outreach, the elderly outreach on, on Mondays, uh, our ministry into nursing homes, our ministry into schools, uh, the boiler that needs paying for here, the lighting that needs sorting out in here, any development stuff that we want to carry on doing uh, through the area and impacting people, we, we have to fund that in different ways. And so that's how, um, uh, where the money goes to, by and large. We are, uh, wherever possible, uh, very, very strict with what we spend money on. We have a fantastic finance and audit committee who are very, very good at uh, keeping us to task. A fabric group who dream up wonderful things that we could spend money on, but often don't get their way with everything. Um, and we uh, have uh, people who are working here not on high salaries at all. Um, if you want to know what, uh, what a curate gets paid, you can, uh, you can look it up online. Um, and what an intern gets paid is, is not high salaries. People are quasi-volunteers when they're on staff here. Um, they do it for love rather than for money. And we are just so grateful for the sheer quality of people that God's brought. I say, I'm sure you agree with that, don't you? I mean, the quality of our staff over the last few years has been fantastic. And we want to honor our, our staff and look after them well. So final question then, and uh, this is simply the how. How can I give? Well, the opportunity to increase our regular giving or stewardship at Christchurch is, is very encouraging uh, because we've got a good number of people on the stewardship scheme already and considerably more people on our electoral roll who, who we hope can join in um, with this. We now have um, an increase again this year in our electoral row. We think another 16 additional people. That's with the comings and goings. Um, there's always people who sadly pass away or move out of the area. But the, the increase of about 5% has happened again. Um, we have 110 people or families or couples allocated onto the stewardship system. Uh, and we kind of hope that that might increase. We also have 20% of those on the giving system, the 20% um, uh, give you know, more, more than half of the, the amount that comes in. Um, and there's a sort of a long tail off. So we have giving levels between about £1,000 a month and £5 a month. Um, and uh, it's wonderful that we've got people on all ends of the spectrum. And it, we, one thing we notice is that some people who give £5 a month, that's a very sacrificial amount. Um, there are other people who probably give five, 10, 15 pounds a month, but spend as much money on beer. Um, and it might just be worth thinking, did, did I really want to spend it on that and not the other? And just to sort of clock that. So challenge one is if you're not giving regularly, systematically, uh, through our stewardship scheme, um, could you? It might be that you've given to a one-off giving project recently, uh, and we're so grateful for that. I make a policy decision of not knowing who's given what, so it doesn't affect the pastoral care anyone gets. That's, that's free and open. It's not affecting on your giving at all. Um, 
But what a lovely thing to join in with a, a building project or a giving to uh, Emily or, or something like that. Could you join in regularly, allocating, uh, as Paul said, at the first day of the week, a certain amount of money that you want to give away or on a monthly basis? Challenge one, could you start giving regularly? Challenge two, if you're already giving, when did you last adjust that amount for inflation, income increase, or uh, dare I say, faith increase? Has your faith grown since you last set how much money you were given? Have you seen God at work, and would you like to say thank you for that? Uh, are you in a position where you could increase your giving at all if, your, if inflation or income or faith has increased? We, we do need to increase regular giving, as I've said, by, uh, if, we, if we sustain what we're currently doing, by £100,000 a year over three years. And um, Please think and pray about how much you could contribute to this total. So one, could you start giving? Two, if you're already giving, do you have any ability to give more? Um, challenge three is, is one that Bishop Paul Williams pointed out to me. And he pointed out that, um, that some people have a grace for giving. It's, it's a bit like a spiritual gift for giving. Um, their ability to take risks, their ability to step out in faith and generosity is disproportionate to their actual income at that particular time. Uh, some people joining churches is, is like joining a club and, a, and a, a sort of 50 pounds a month is like a membership fee. You know, it's like, oh, I've joined a gym. That's 100 pounds a month. I've joined a church. That's 50 pounds a month. I've got um, broadband internet at home. That's 50 pounds a month. And the church is another sort of 50 pounds a month. It's just one of those things that you sort of tick off and that's like a, oh, yeah, yeah, I do that. Um, but for others, quickly find that there's an adventure a game that sort of plays a dynamic between God and you where you're like, actually, this money is doing incredible things. I'm so excited about the fact that there's a cafe at church. I just love that there's somewhere for the old folks to come into on, on Monday and that we've got interns who can open up the Buzz Club and we've got St. Andrew's Fellowship so well done. And I love the fact that there's a heating in our church and we're not sitting here in freezing cold because someone's replaced the boiler. <laughs> I love the fact we've got heating and I would love to give to that. Um, and people sort of go on this adventure, and, and, and suddenly, well, it's a bit like working out at a gym. You know, you stretch yourself a bit, and, oh, did that ache? Or, oh, no, look, I've got a muscle now. I like the muscle. Um, I think I'd try and work the muscle again. I'd, I'd like to, and uh, suddenly this adventure of giving happens, and, and some people have got a grace for giving. So if you've got a grace for giving, don't, don't hold back. There's no reason to hold back. Um, don't compare yourself. I'm doing better than so-and-so. I'm in the top half. I'm in the top 20%, I'm in the you know, top 80%, I'm on the scheme. Uh, have an adventure, see what happens. Um, so can you start? If you're already giving, can you increase? Uh, if you have a grace for giving, uh, don't limit what you can do. And challenge four. And this might be true for, for some people that may be listening online or people who have uh, moved into the area recently. Uh, and it's, have you been out of the system for some months or years? Uh, many of us coming through West London are in a sort of a transitory time in our lives and you sort of rock up, you sort of spend six months sort of flirting with different churches, sort of wondering if that's going to be the one for me. Uh, you moved around two or three times, not quite settled. And, and the question there really is, is there a, um, is there a sort of a, a tithe that you've not been giving for five months, 10 months, 15 months, two years? that actually, retrospectively, it would be rather lovely to give back to God, um, a catch-up gift. 
could go a long way to helping things out. Is there a retrospective gift that you'd like to give? And finally then, um, the, the one that's probably had the most impact on the life of our church uh, since I've been incumbent here uh, has been a person I've never met. Um, a lovely dear lady uh, called Betty Smith who left her, her home to the church or to some trustees, to a minister on behalf of the church. Um, and those trustees have done a wonderful job of administering it. And actually, so many of the things that you can celebrate in the life of the church here and say have made a huge impact in terms of reaching 16,000 people a year in our community, growing new congregations, developing technology, uh, developing outreach, even putting in the cycle ramps outside and the, the paving driving area so you can park nicely and uh, getting things so sorted out like the, the disabled access and all sorts of other things has come because this dear lady left a legacy to the church. And, and some of us aren't in a great position to give now, but are able to give in our will. And extraordinary, um, there's a website called churchlegacy.org.uk. Um, and one of the tax realities of giving in your will is that if you give 10% or more of your estate to charity, uh, the tax you pay goes down from 40% to 36%. But effectively, that pretty much counterbalances the gift that you give. So by giving 10% or more of your estate to charity, like, like the church, um, actually, the other people who would benefit from your will don't really lose out. Um, the government effectively writes the cost for, for pretty much all of that. And it... I mean, of course, we, we have no idea how long we have to live, do we? Um, and uh, we, we could uh, have long lives or, or shorter lives from this point on. But um, a while ago, Nicola and I put two charities into our will. And uh, it's a lovely feeling that, that when we pass on, the small estate that we have will go to benefit other people beyond our time. And, uh, and for Betty Smith, some of you will know her, her legacy on this church has been extraordinary, extraordinary. And uh, you probably will never know most of what she's done in the life of the church because it's, uh, it's not sort of for public consumption. But the impact is astronomical on what God's been able to do in the life of the church here. So the last challenge then is, even if you think you've got decades and decades to go, um, why not write into a will a gift to charity, and, and if uh, the church can be part of that, that would be a wonderful thing. So back to our passage, it says, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. After Easter, there will be more information on how to follow through on this. Please look out for the leaflets. And um, this would be one of those sermons that would be really nice if we didn't think of it as a sermon for the person sitting next to us <laughs> that tried to ask the question of what, what does this mean for me uh, on my journey. May God bless his word to us today. Amen.